Oh, hey, hello. Didn't see you there. Didn't see you coming. Oh my god, what a surprise visit. It's not like we agree to be here every fucking Monday at the same time. Wait, ugh, I'm just feeling my forehead. I feel like I have like a small bump. It's all fault of the potatoes, okay? Listen, hear me out. Keep eating fucking crisps and then my forehead gets all like shiny and then I get like a little small pimple that of course I can't resist but like squeeze. So yeah, I think that's what this bump is all about. I mean, either that or I'm, I'm dying. Fuck it, guys. Welcome. This is by all means necessary. I'm your host, Maya. I talk about weird shit and a lot of crime. And I jump from topic to topic like it's nothing my whole fucking life. I might be undiagnosed with ADHD. I don't know. For all I know, this is how I roll and this is what makes me unique. Okay, welcome. <laughs> if I'm ever to simplify a story to the point where you think am I fucking describing it to five-year-olds, it will be this week. This story, I have to picture it in my head. I have to paint this business in my fucking head for myself. And yeah, it's gonna be a picturesque gonna be like a fucking painting for you because we are diving into the world of cryptocurrency do you understand it does fucking anybody and yet people keep buying bitcoin don't they people keep investing why how don't understand please get in touch with me yeah to tell me why the fuck do you invest in bitcoin do you fully understand it so you know where this is going it's one of the most popular things that's emerged since well much earlier but mostly since last year in the podcast the missing crypto queen and i never listened to the podcast prior to researching for this so i was kind of like skeptical I was like ah, oh, there must not be many resources which really there aren't but then as i started researching it i was like this goes against everything that i stand against how the fuck have i not covered this story yet and it's a month of scams it's a perfect opportunity let's do this this story is truly a cautionary tale for all of you you motherfuckers that still believe in you know your company's bullshit missions like oh my god we're gonna save the world yeah right all these motivational speeches you know all of these fucking motivational bullshit empty speeches are just like you can do this this is how you do it like we are a community let's just uh all together change the world one motive at a time just kidding just kidding i'm for real i'm for real here <laughs> And it's also a cautionary tale against that excitement that you feel about investing money in this startup because they are breaching the gap in the market. It's something that's revolutionizing a thing. And you're just like, well, this can yield results, it can yield rewards, I can be rich. Let's just invest into it. No, stop and think. Stop and think for a fucking second. The next couple of minutes are going to be me trying to explain Bitcoin and <laughs> blockchain, okay? Bear with me. Yeah, all right, let's do this. Let's go through this, guys, guys. Keep your fingers crossed for me. Let's do this. Let's do this. You're gonna understand it so much. So in 2008, a name surfaced on the internet of Satoshi Nakamoto, and it was a pseudonym person or persons who developed the Bitcoin, authored a white paper on it, and created and deployed this original reference implementation of Bitcoin. And by that, I mean they created a blockchain. The whole purpose behind it was that all of the banks that we have today, where you have to go physically, or you have online banking, have too much power. So the cryptocurrency is this whole industry where it's not going to be controlled by the government, your money can't be like stolen, can't be faked, your account can't be hacked, and the money can't be like double spent. Looking from that standpoint, I can understand how a lot of people would be like super keen on finding out about it. Now, what the fuck is blockchain? Well, in my head, I, I imagine it like a Google homepage specific to Bitcoin users. Let's say like a Yahoo, okay? Like, let's say a smaller thing, AOL.com, okay? 
Yeah, truly, it is the AOL.com of the, of the internet. Because the Bitcoin owners would have independent but identical copies of this like browser or let's say a book. And every time a Bitcoin is sent from you to somebody else, a record of that transaction goes into everybody's book or everybody's AOL.com page. The plus side of it is that no bank, no government, nobody is in charge of it or can change this, can change any of the transactions. So basically you are the only person in charge of it. Now I see you pausing this podcast, downloading and you know a fucking Bitcoin app and just investing into it. No, what the fuck are you doing? This was the whole point not to do this. Okay, stop yourself. Stop yourself. Take a chill pill. So when you hear about it, you're like, okay, cool. That sounds pretty great. How can that even be revolutionized? Like, how can that even be improved? Well, that's where OneCoin stepped in. And they're like, no, no, no. We are bigger, better and safer than Bitcoin. And we also, how fortunately, have our own blockchain. So we don't operate with these fucking petty Bitcoin bullshitters. No, no, no. We have our own blockchain, which in itself, when you hear it now, sounds like a biggest fucking red flag in the freaking universe. But then you're like, okay, well, that might mean that it's not regulated by the Bitcoin blockchain. So again, that's like one less regulation, right? So it's not even just that the government doesn't regulate it. It's these fucking common cryptocurrency thing and the common bl- blockchain doesn't regulate it as well. You know, it's kind of like when Harry Potter got the fucking letter that he's a wizard now. And then all of you expected letters that you are wizards, but no, we are all muggles. Yeah, we are all like, you know, actually like commoners. That's that. And then you don't want to be a commoner and you want to be a wizard. That's it simplified. (laughs) Now, obviously, to sell something that's even more of a revolution, that's even better than a Bitcoin, you need to create an even better, flashier, you know, more pompous image of it. And who better to do that than the founder of the company and the CEO? And this is where a woman comes in. She is spreading the one coin gospel. And this is where the power of the good image when you sell a story is important. She dresses, you know, all pompously in these fucking gowns, has diamond earrings on and shit and like always has the signature red lipstick. And well, the way to spread it, it is to fill up like huge holes of people that are going to chant one coin. It's literally a lot of culty like situations going on have these slogans like we are more than just one coin we created the world around one coin you know have these catchy phrases that got people hooked onto it and you start like kind of repeating it in your head and you suddenly belong to a fucking cult and obviously you can't just sell just you know common (laughs) you know these commoners just using bitcoin and blockchain no of course for you to sell this as like a bigger better thing than bitcoin you need to sell it differently so what's the edge what is the edge the edge is to advertise this as packages so you see it as mining Basically, what this includes is you sell people the educational material for trading. So members can go online and buy packages ranging between 100 euros to 118,000 euros per package. So you get that package and it includes tokens, which can then be assigned to mine one coins. Each level or package, as they call it, uh, gives you new educational material. So the edge is not just selling it as cryptocurrency, which already is great, amazing, you should invest into it, but also selling it like you're going to get educated, know how to trade, you know, have that edge and then like make 
a lot more money based on that but now of course because yes bitcoin one coin you know all of these cryptocurrency coins are great but what about converting it into real money well of course you can do that silly of course you can get real money out of it what are you thinking so there's obviously a catch of course so you can exchange one coins for any other currency on one coin exchange or x coin x so it's like an internal marketplace you know like fucking depop <laughs> it's a depop of fucking cryptocurrency for members that have invested more than just a starter package so you can exchange it to euros which are then placed in this virtual wallet from which you can request a wire transfer you know to your bank account but obviously, the Depop, the marketplace here, has the daily selling limits based on which packages you can invest it in. So obviously, if you invest into that one of 118,000, you can probably withdraw a lot more money than the person that invested just like 200 euros. So this obviously limits the amount of one coins that you can exchange. So you can never just exchange everything that you have invested, which is not how investing should work. But who am I? They clearly know what they're talking about. So is that all clear now, yeah? It's me talking to an imaginary class of pupils like when I was fucking seven and just, uh, you know, <laughs> giving lectures in order to learn to the imaginary students in the room, having like whiteboard and everything. Podcasting really was uh, a dream job, yeah, was it not? That makes it a lot less sad than doing that from the age of like seven till forever okay let's uh, stop talking about my sad life and go on to somebody else's not not sad life at all this is still a cautionary tale listen by the end of this it's still a cautionary tale okay don't scam if you do them study law okay just kidding don't do scams okay <laughs> so i shall not continue to bore you with blockchains and bitcoins because there's a protagonist here we have a main role and who is it ruja ignatova is the ceo of one coin having scammed people out of more than four billion within three years then she disappeared no one knows where she is and people are still believing in the scam and investing their money we know the fraudster we have our crime what were her motives just to sort of give you the idea of the power that this fucking company had basically the red flags were present there throughout so in march 2016 without notice one coin was given an internal notice that the market is going to be closed for two weeks for maintenance giving the user just a you know random as half ass explanation that this is necessary due to high number of miners and for better integration and blockchain like if you use a fucking website before or an app before you know yes this maintenance is a thing it never fucking takes place over two weeks like you're a company you cannot just shut down your website for two weeks it's like oh yeah it's a you know casual just general maintenance that's gonna take place over 14 days so what the whole 14 days 24 hours every day what fucking business do you hear say that it's like oh yeah yeah there's a high demand for fucking covid19 tests still does that mean like you're shutting down the whole fucking website for two weeks no then you lose on business my the businesswoman strikes today so they're like cool 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 so 14 days from then the market opens again but there are no visible changes that have been made and the exchange again shuts down in january 2017 
this is genuinely this is like fucking dating a guy who just like leaves the room to take his phone calls and then he just like acts completely normal then you know you catch him do this shit again a day after then he just has a business trip that's apparently for two weeks at like the most exotic resort out there in the world like nobody does business in fucking palma de mallorca okay but he's like no 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 this is legit it's legit i love my wife you know but yeah don't fucking go for my phone and then yeah you do after fucking years and you're like oh i didn't see these red flags all along did i run from your fucking partners okay <laughs> I never told people, never told the public about the weirdest fucking day that was most fucking definitely a red flag and I swear to god if I didn't have my smart zone this person would have probably killed me but hey I'm uh, safe and sound now and he hopefully doesn't know where I live. Basically listen fuck this cryptocurrency for a minute let me share a personal story let me open up to the people okay. So this summer, years and years ago, I was babysitting here in London. I was like a staying nanny. I don't recommend it to anybody ever. Don't do it to yourself. Fucking save yourselves. Don't live in with children if you're not a mother of those children. Yep, that should be a policy for life. Make sure it's with a print on it. So as I was super broke anyways, I would just like walk around the area during that time. And I was walking this day and this fucking creep, of course, he was black because I don't attract white people. Anyways... He stopped me on the street and he was like, oh, la, la, chatting me up. And he just shared this ideology, which immediately was like, I was like, I gotta question this, but also this is so fucking creepy. He just said that if he was to marry a girl, he didn't say me. One day, he is going to make sure that they have separate bedrooms because that's like how a marriage should work and this is the key to the harmonious marriage. This guy literally met me like five minutes before that, okay? He did not know me, life story, what the fuck? This is like, he's like, I need to share this ideology with somebody on this day. This is the day and this is the person. And immediately after, he's like, oh yeah, you want to go out on a date with me? And I was like, so creeped out, so creeped out. Because he was most definitely over the age of 30 even if not like 40 plus and i was probably 20 at that point at best but i was like okay cool i still i need to investigate this i need to interrogate this fucker <laughs> but i also gotta stay alive so yeah let's go on to this date that i'm gonna skid out a lot of five minutes in as soon as i question this and let's make sure i do it in the public area it was definitely it was just like i was doing journalism <laughs> it was like a journalist quest guys <laughs> I did not even take it as a date, but yeah, you gotta be smart about it, okay? If you do your journalist quest, you gotta be smart about it. So I chose the area next to like the station, which I know of, and obviously I gave him completely different stations, okay? I live, you know, miles away from here, I'm just walking in this random area. Literally, we went, you know, around that station, I just questioned him. Apparently his reasoning is you know everybody needs their own time and space everybody needs their own like room which i mean i kind of applied to my marriage right now but hey it's not inspired by him definitely and also i do think that the couple should sleep in the same room again i don't agree with this guy but i just had to question it so yeah his reasoning is yeah they're living like sort of you know having their own time having their own space and then, you know, they have that missing each other factor and then, you know, they sleep in each other's rooms or, you know, when they want, they sleep by themselves. And it was okay reasoning, okay? But yeah, I was... And then, literally, as he finished the sentence, I was like, cool, 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 cool. Uh, by the way, I just had a plan, so, um, yeah, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. He was like, what? <laughs> so, well, yeah, I am walking home with you, freak. And this is how you gotta go on weird dates, but also stay alive, okay? Be smart out there, be smart. And send me a meet cutes, okay? 
Cool, where the fuck was I? I don't want to talk about this story. Just kidding, just kidding. I wanna, it's interesting. Okay, listen, we gotta catch this bitch. So, red flags are popping here and there, but then again, what do you know? The website is still up and running, so you think like it's legit, right? Right? Wrong. Okay, wrong. Also, especially, don't wanna say do this if you buy just a random product for every, from every fucking company, but if you're looking to get a job at the company, check everything. Check how much investment they have. Crunch base for that. Go on Glassdoor to see fucking reviews by the current employees. But also check the Trustpilot reviews. Check if they're a fucking scam or if they act similarly. Kind of class pass, honestly, on the verge of like scam, just based on their Trustpilot reviews. Okay. But do a little bit of research. It's literally like what a couple of websites, their socials maybe, and then you're like, do I want to work for this place? Do I want to fucking apply for this company? Also, you know how I said last week about a company's house? Well, there's like this whole talk about um, Company's House on the Missing Crypto Queen podcast and how like basically they had no filing history, they had no significant person. So even just by looking at Company's House for the one coin, you would realize it's a scam. So red flags all around, but she is propagating the gospel. It's a cult. Let's do this. So what happens is in October 2017, Ruja fails to show up for a conference in Lisbon which was kind of like as if I failed to show again comparing myself to a fucking scammer don't do it don't do it I don't suggest it as if I just was you know late to show up for a coffee fucking date with a friend it's like I love coffee I would never fail to be punctual for a date like that that's kind of the thing because this was her shit she loved being on stage like would never miss it so they were like uh the fuck is up like is she okay but little did they know that Rouge aborted a plane to Athens and disappeared. Nobody knows where the fuck she is to this date. This was what, 2017. More than two years. Nobody knows where the fuck she is. They have followed like a couple of trails here and there on the missing crypto queen. People are still looking after her, like FBI is after her. But still, to this day, we don't know where this bitch skedaddled to. Or how. And if you're into true crime and know of like so many unsolved cases, cold cases out there, or just children disappearing or being kidnapped, and still to this day sometimes they don't have a single trace to them. Will we ever find her is the real question here. It's not like how and when, it's more like are we are we going to it's already been two and something years, there are more active cases out there. Can we even find this bitch? But this is not the podcast where we look to find her, okay? That's the missing crypto queen. Go listen to it if you want to. After this, her brother Constantine was detained by the FBI and he pled guilty to several charges, including money laundering and fraud. But he signed a plea deal telling FBI, yep, I'm gonna help you find her, you know, I'm gonna give you the clues. And in return, he will not face any criminal charges, any further criminal charges for his role in one coin. And Druja is charged in absentia, so like basically once they catch her, she will be charged with money laundering by the Department of Justice. And now the governments in other countries are also arresting people that are trying to propagate this one coin ideology. They even like barge into their fucking gospels and ceremonies, conferences, whatever the fuck they call that are mostly like fucking Christian mass or a cult where they just chant one coin and they have even a sign with their hands that they do as well. But on the other side, FCA had like an announcement on one coin page at a certain point, which was like, hey, advising you, you know, not to invest here. Actually, 
not on one coin. They changed the name to One Life. Well, for a couple of reasons. One is because if you Google One Coin, the first thing that comes is articles about the scam. So it's not the best for like searching optimization. And two, they can actually continue to sell their packaging, sell these things online on as one life. It's more like culty, it's more community based. So as I was saying, there was kind of like a banner on the website which was advising people, hey, this is a scam, it's under investigation, the company is still under investigation. But then it was removed, which immediately, of course, the one coin propagators, they were like, this is a definite proof that the investigation has finished. It's not like they would have a filing on that. It's not like they would have a statement written by the FBI. Etc. No, no, this is definite proof. The investigation has finished, and we are legit. So keep investing, keep giving us your money. Come on, and people still do. As you can see, this is why this case is so popular. Because why did she disappear? As in, it was her prime time. And yes, I know, like they were kind of tightening the grip and finding out about the scam and about her family's involvement. But how then did she know exactly when to get the fuck out? It kind of seems like she knew that her prime time was in 2016 when she filled up the Wembley Arena, had thousands of fans, you know, she had this flashiest fucking presentation with like the flames announcing her, Alicia Keys, this girl is on fire playing, her coming in like in this, in the most kitsch dress ever, okay. Serbians find Bulgarians really kitsch and Google Bulgarian prom and you're gonna see what we're on about. So even though this woman had a bit of a better taste, still, you can always leave a village, but the village never leaves you. Yep, yet another famous fucking saying. Let's go. Here in 2016, she would speak about one coin being the Bitcoin killer. And she said in two years, nobody will speak about Bitcoin anymore. So to me, this kind of looked like she knew when it was the prime time. She knew when like they started kind of investigating. She premeditated her whole escape probably for a much longer time than we even think. Because, well, she hasn't been found yet and nobody fucking knows which country where she is at. And just to give you an idea of how big one coin was... Within just three years of reign, between 2014 and 2017, before the FBI actually took hold of this whole scamming, people all over the world were investing into it. British people spent almost 30 million on one coin, according to BBC, in the first six months of 2016, 2 million of it in a single week. And between August 2014 and March 2017, more than 4 billion was invested in dozens of countries. So now, when we know, hey, she disappeared, she cannot be found, this is sort of roughly how OneCoin operates still today, but yeah, more on the hush-hush so they don't get arrested by the governments in, in those particular countries. Let's go to the section called, how was she doing it? Because we gotta learn about these fucking scammers as always. Number one thing, which I find so, like, I find it cancels itself out, okay? Is that she was selling education. Even though, first of all, okay, why I find it self-canceling? Is because wouldn't you educate yourself before investing into something in the first place? I mean, 
common sense no because if nothing is public knowledge like i understand like if you're selling a course or whatever but if nothing is public knowledge as to what you're actually investing in what education you're actually going to get like what skills it's going to give you to acquire then to what further invest or learn about bitcoin or whatever the fuck you want to do with it why would you actually invest into then higher priced packages or any packages and why i think it defeats itself is because if this was supposed to be like bitcoin 2.0 let's say then how did nobody look into whether you'll be able to use bitcoins as normal how was this such news then or or that people will only be able to convert certain amount of it into euros like why was this not so commonly known in the first place and of course as you might have guessed all of these educating material was plagiarized from well sometimes word by word pdfs from different websites on trading on bitcoin on how to invest so of course like you can probably find that for free somewhere else like if you knew what to look for this first point was really is really about selling how you would sell what you would actually target so education is the main point and how you would do it is by the most common selling multi-level marketing or mlm well the most infamous company that uses mlm is herbalife and we all kind of know that's a scam in itself <laughs> that's a pyramid scheme as as you would get it so basically just to explain the concept it can make people super rich but you need to be on the top or very close to the top so let's say i sell you diet pills yep let's say it's fucking diet pills because that's a famous fucking one as well so i sell it to you and your friend I make the biggest commission out of it and then you guys go on to sell it to further free people. You guys get a cut and I get the biggest cut out of the profit. So then obviously if I get a cut with every single sale I'm the richest person there and then the two of you that first have sold it you are the richest after me and so on and so forth so like it is a pyramid scheme because the person the beginning starting it is the richest and then everybody is just you know selling and doing the networking because they know that they're gonna get a cut but then finally if it is like the thousand person selling it they're gonna get a much smaller cut but it is a known strategy that works across plenty of fucking companies i mean even if you just think about companies now that you use that use a referral scheme it's different than this, but then if you think about it, you get something in return of giving another person a discount, but then who profits out of it the most is the actual company. It's never you. And then obviously, of course, it's definitely not the person that you have just given it because then for them, it's just a one-time use most often and it is just to get them hooked. So they get the least benefit technically. You get a bit more because you get some credit for sharing the referral code and the company gets the most because they have now what two customers at least and then if you share the referral code they get how many more but the downside of this is that the nature of these networks is that people often recruit those that are close to them which then creates this sense of responsibility so there's a lot of victims out there with huge blame because they have convinced their whole fucking family to invest for you know the cut that they're going to get now everybody's out of money because it's their close friends and family so yes there are people that have gotten super fucking rich living basically palaces on missing crypto queen they interviewed this couple who is literally i mean it's living the most kitsch lifestyle as well again money doesn't buy taste but hey <laughs> so of course for the people at the top of the pyramid they're gonna still keep propagating this because why the fuck not 
they're just involved in MLM, they're just involved in multi-network marketing. Like up until the point that it was proclaimed as fraud, they didn't know it was fraud, so they technically weren't doing anything illegal. Second bit of this selling is selling the revolution, because... I put that she looks way too much like a Eurovision candidate to be taken this seriously. <laughs> she truly does, okay? So of course, if you're selling a revolution, and if you're a founder and a CEO, you need to sell a mission. You need to sell your own background, because how the fuck do people actually trust you? So she would, of course, be like, studied law. You know, I worked with McKinsey, which is technically just like an advisor consultancy. And then she implemented this thing that, that I know of, because, like, I'm super fan of fucking Apple conferences, everything Apple. I know, I sold myself to them, it's fine. I understand that I belong to a cult as well. I'm as guilty, I just, you know, kind of look up things that they're not a scam before I buy them, but you know, to each of their own. But she uses this thing that I see so commonly on like the Apple conferences where they announce their products every year. There is the point of like dramatization, you know, Apple isn't fucking huge Bulgarian queen that flashes out fucking flames and she like somebody comes in in a sizzling suit and like shows off a bit more of their cleavage than they should, you know, for a businesswoman, but yeah. There's always the element of surprise, and it's usually like something, either like some reveal or some reward. She had at that Wembley Arena this moment where she announced she's going to double everybody's coins, which apparently, according to anybody specialing in economics, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, this is not a thing. Like, it, it can't be done. It's not just like giving you in a game double the coins for something as a feature. But it's just getting the audience to love it. Like, you build up to that hype moment when you announce something and it's like this huge thing that you know everybody's gonna fall for, they're gonna leave like super hyped for the product and spread the word and get everybody hooked. And of course it's not just MLM, it's not just somebody being like, oh yeah, yeah, you buy that thing and you know, I'll forget about you. They have like webinars on their website day and night for like obviously international viewers as well. On that podcast, like they have this interview with the woman from Glasgow called Jen McTadam. She's like one of the key factors because she was basically informed by like a professional and she had like a row with him online and that went public and then she kind of started looking into it, realized it's a scam, reported it. So that's how they got this side of the world and the UK and started looking into it as a scam. But she said these webinars were the key for her because they get you hooked. Because again, it's kind of like telling people, explaining people, getting them hooked onto something while not telling them what the catch is. By the end of this webinar, she actually decided to invest 1,000 euros. And she said, like, it was super easy. You would purchase the tokens and that generated the coins, which would then go into your account. And then they were like, oh, yeah, of course, like a day after this, you would be able to turn the coins back into euros or pounds. So, of course, when you look into it, it seems like an easy money, right? And it seems kind of like a game. You're mining. Oh, look at this. And then obviously they're like, well, you see, you can do this, right? You know, it's not like we took like a huge fucking commission and you couldn't actually convert everything into pounds. But hey, what if you go for a larger package? That that can be definitely life-changing. So McAdam, one week into this, brainwashing or whatever you want to fucking call it, because it's not really educating you, is it? It's just trying to get you hooked onto it. She bought a tycoon package, which was of a cost of 5,000 euros. But I think the true key here, and like how they were able to sell any of this in the first place, is 
this stepping away from banks ideology. So again, if you're applying for a fucking job, check their website for the admission part, okay? If their mission sounds like something completely fucking irrational, like they're gonna save the world and, you know, they're gonna fly to Mars in a fucking week. Yeah, maybe uh, question them. <laughs> the main flaw in this, and why I like to compare it with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, is that they just didn't catch up to technology. It's just the technology didn't catch up to this ideology, let's say. Because they didn't have a blockchain in the first place. And if you remember from the start of this podcast, that's quite an important bit. You don't have the AOL.com bitch. What are you on about? How are people gonna AOL that? <laughs> yeah, you see how um, that didn't catch one? Does anybody say Yahoo it? Or like AOL it? <laughs> Again, in the one coin way, they tried to do this on the hush hush, but gave a call to this blockchain expert called Björk Bjerke. So he was given a call by the recruitment agent and got this curious job offer. It was a cryptocurrency startup from Bulgaria and they were looking for a chief technical officer, so like CTO. He would get an apartment, he would get a car and an attractive annual salary of about 250,000. So he was like, okay, that all sounds great. And he asks at first, like, what is the company? What the fuck, I've never heard about a Bulgarian cryptocurrency startup. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you until just, you know, ruminate on it. Like, do you want it? And he's like, calls again. He's like, what the fuck is the company? <laughs> like, no, just gonna decide on it blindly. Yep, it sounds great, but I'm smarter than this. And they tell him it's one coin. And he's like, okay, so this company exists for like a couple of years, so what do you need me to do? And they're like, build a blockchain. And uh, yeah, he just is like, yeah, this is not, this does not sound legit. Like how the fuck is a cryptocurrency company operating without a blockchain? Just for you to, you know, have a quick recap of the crimes. So Ruja and the company would set an invented price for this closed cryptocurrency sell these orders where people couldn't convert them back to you know their currency for at least like a day or a couple of days using mlm so obviously the people at the top of the pyramid would get the most cuts people at the bottom would get fucking nothing the company would get the most then these marketers would try to get you to invest even into the more pricier packages and for you to be part of this fucking scheme to suggest it to your friends and family and get them hooked onto it as well then they have that event when they suggest they're gonna be doubling everybody's coins. When the new blockchain is switched on. And the circle continues. Yep, I think this is simplified enough and now I'm probably gonna get contacted by people telling me this is completely not true and you have explained it completely wrong. And to you I say, do you understand it? Do you truly? Can you truly explain Bitcoin to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What profit have you gained from it? Please explain yourselves. And the moral of this fucking story, before we go to background, is don't invest into, even if it's a lottery, okay? If you are giving your friend a loan, don't do it until you understand everything. You you educate yourself, you understand how they're gonna pay back, you understand how things work, how does the lottery ticket work, explain it to me. Can you not? Don't play lottery then. Ruzha was born in Sofia in Bulgaria and emigrated to Germany with her fam when she was 10 years old. So the journalist of the Missing Cryptocurrency actually looked into her degrees and she actually did have all the degrees that she said she did. So she earned a PhD in European private law from the University of Constance in Germany. Which is the one bit that I find that everybody overlooks. 
I think there might be something in there. So, you know, with this opportunity, I'm calling all of the fucking lawyers to actually look into this and um, tell me maybe more in detail or tell the world maybe in more detail what she learned for this. So I have a bit of a segment, but maybe this is something that needs to be looked into more as to how did this particular branch of law, you know, might have helped her get a new life, get into another country and just live there like a stranger that nobody knows about. So private international law is also called conflict of laws, concerns relations across different legal jurisdictions between natural persons, what, companies, corporations and other legal entities, their legal obligations and the appropriate form and procedure for resolving disputes between them which I find to be peak because, I mean, <laughs> it's a lawyer that's scammed, but hey. But also, like, this is why I find it interesting. I think there is a bit more to it that maybe nobody actually explored. Also, again, this just tells you that nobody Googles these people for some fucking reasons. She actually, in 2012, was convicted of fraud in Germany in connection with her and her dad's acquisition of a company that shortly was declared bankrupt in dubious circumstances. So kind of nobody knows what the fuck happened there. Again, the weirdest thing that nobody is investigating and kind of looking into it because everybody's like, yeah, follow the money, which is the hardest fucking thing because the money has been invested for how many countries, is that she apparently had a daughter in 2016. Okay, so now, this hasn't been confirmed true or false, which I find so bizarre, like, she was so present on stage, like, for all that time, and all you can find online is one picture of her holding a baby, which again could be fucking anybody's baby. Also, where is that child now? Why is nobody, like, truly digging at that? Like, would she have just left the child behind? Why are there no pictures of her preggers? And I think that speaks more to her character if she actually was to have had a kid and just spot disappear like a few months into that child's life. Like, yeah, fuck you, like, I'm saving myself. Now, of course, as I mentioned before, nobody's truly self-made, stop using that fucking term. So, she of course had help of other dubious characters and people, not just her family. Her co-founder was Sebastian Greenwood, who prior to this was also involved in side talk scam which was again yet another Ponzi scheme, yet again how was this person able to proceed and just fucking invest into this and just become a co-founder, how are none of these people have been in prison before, nobody knows. Her brother was supposed to have a trial this year, so to in July, but because he is helping out the government and he has kind of shed light onto yet another person that was involved into this scam, which is US attorney Mark Scott. Well, his trial is just getting postponed and postponed fuck knows again if it will happen because if you snitch, you kind of know, like, you you heard my Takashi69 account, you know, if you snitch, you basically just get a house arrest because justice system saves you if you're, you know, white. So this wonderful lawyer, Mark Scott, allegedly made 50 million from rerouting 400 million from the scam. So he was just money laundering for the fucking whole gang. And why I'm saying they're not self-made? Because of course somebody had to register these accounts, somebody had to register this as a legit company, have offshore accounts that they have like everywhere in the fucking world, and find a way to launder the funds. Do you hear this? It's rain. Like this is the fucking loudest rain ever. Fuck this shit. I mean, he is facing like 50 years in prison, but at least, at least he's gonna be stripped of his attorney license. And now, of course, they had a third person, his name is Nigel Allen, he was like the president of OneCoin. He again has scammed in the background, had several scams, 
She stole everybody's money, including Crypto888 and Brilliant Carbon. Again, the names of these companies. Brilliant Carbon is kind of like... It's apparently sold fake carbon credits to investors, which I kind of just find wrong on a whole different level. Hey, when people are fucking trying to develop environmental issues if to scams, it's just... This a special level of health designed for you. And I think it's important to know who the victims are, as in like more of a profile over victim as well. So it is usually people who are either in poor countries or have like saved up a lot of money for a special purpose to invest in as long as like such a great opportunity comes along. And the podcast kind of reveals this whole family in Uganda where due to shame, people can't even own up to their families into saying that they have actually invested into this company and you know that it was all a scam because they invested their like life savings that they have done during like hard fucking labor. Also, if you think it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't touch me, it doesn't happen here, it most probably does and you can report it um, on Action Fraud website if you actually know somebody and they might not want to report it because about 70,000 Brits like Jen McAdam invested into it. And it's also the people who like might be, even after investing into it, still might believe like it might turn around, they still might profit from it because again, it's not as clear cut as if like, where is she? Is the company completely shut down? Why do people still keep investing? Even though it is clearly a scam and the government and officials are, you know, chasing people into it. And if you invest into it now, you should know it's a scam, so you can be charged with it as well. So I think it's definitely people who can latch on something because of all these benefits, you know, all this education that you can gain. And you see this huge future for yourself and your family. And in that case, yeah, just definitely think... You should kind of get an education course, maybe for the economics, maybe of the percentages of like investing in general, you know, kind of in like investing for dummies, if anything, before putting everything on the line for it. So that is technically the case. So I would say a lot of good came out of it with almost everybody involved doing something publicly to prevent future scams and publicly speaking about it but the main problems is still that there are systems in place to allow this to happen that everybody still wants to go ahead at a faster pace than the technology is up to today this is why i have such a mixed relationships with this freaking case because i'm all for rebelling against the governmental organizations it's all cool startups are great i only work with startups like creating startups revolutionizing the industry all great. But what OneCoin allowed for was a surge of trust towards illegitimate organization, just to rebel against the cause. I'd say in a case of cryptocurrency, just like in a case of you assessing the prospective company you are applying for and its mission, common sense just must be applied. Don't just buy into it question everything one motive at a time okay speaking of motives haha <laughs> perfect segue okay let's discuss the motives for Uja and the people in the top definitely number one motive is monetary gain because as i mentioned people on the top of that pyramid were filthy rich so of course they're gonna see the gain they t- if you don't have again a moral compass, as I mentioned last episode, you know, if you don't have a fucking moral compass, if you can sleep with yourself at night, you can scam for years, as she did previously, as everybody who founded this company did previously. So I think here it is quite like a strong motive is monetary gain. I put as a secondary one, it is 
also combined with like getting known and revolutionizing the world because again kind of like with elizabeth holmes and Terranus, it's just like being delusional again with all of these cameras there's some level of delusion where you kind of ignore all the facts you're like no no, no the technology will catch up it's fine it's fine it's fine if you just keep the act for a couple of years it will definitely catch up like we're gonna have a blockchain of course like look at us we're hiring a guy like how do you not have it in the first place it doesn't matter we're definitely gonna have it in a couple of years you know just give us a month or two and you just don't understand the devastating consequences it has onto the world because i don't think it's revolutionizing the world if you go 20 steps ahead it's actually going behind in those advances and not letting the world being revolutionized in that fucking particular industry because now everybody's gonna scrutinize all these companies everybody's gonna look at every other bitcoin company as a scam question it which i mean they should in the first place but what i mean especially with Terranos as well everybody's just going to look into every single company similar in the same industry like that and then not allow it to maybe even go forward even once the technology catches up you know it's like that classic fucking story when you lie and you lie and then everybody kind of comes to your aid and then once they realize you're a fucking liar and then you're in actual real danger and you fucking scream for help nobody fucking comes for help yeah it's that but on a scam level oh god how do I make the episodes with the least amount of resources the longest? It's a talent. The rain needs to calm the fuck down. Listen to this shit. The sources for this podcast have been The Missing Crypto Queen, BBC articles, Wikipedia on OneCoin, Wikipedia on Ruzha Ignatova, YouTube video by Joshua Miles, cool YouTuber, chill dude, just breaks it down properly investigated this as well and a few articles from bitcoin.com again there are sources there are resources out there that you can just use to actually learn about the cryptocurrency and and the founders of these companies and educate yourself and realize who has scammed you before and maybe not invest in them just saying just putting it out there now let's listen to this peaceful rain yet again I just listened to that recording and you can definitely not hear rain in the background so yeah that was pointless (laughs) Speaking of pointless, before I go on to speak about like the mini story of this week, I'm gonna share a personal one because I fucking need your opinions, okay? And by the way, this is a story that a few people know, but like I'm freely sharing it with anybody. Because there's so much to unpack, of course, it's a story that happened when I was like eight. You know, in the name of by all means necessary questioning everything that ever happened and the motives behind the people, can you please explain to me who was in the wrong here? There's no context. I could not fit it into context of any story of like 20 plus episodes. So this traumatic event, which kind of defined who I am as a person, happened when I was about eight. Basically, back home, you start like primary school when you're six or seven. So by the age of eight, you're kind of like in your second grade and like you know how to write, you know, like basic math, you know, all that shit. So what they do, they make you like write these poetic shit. (laughs) they're not supposed to be poetic but they're like mini essays of like i don't know 100 200 words whatever on like usually it's some bullshit ass topics i don't know if they still do it back home and i really hope they don't it doesn't even inspire like a fucking creative spark of imagination basically it's usually like oh what did you do over your vacation or like oh how was your summer holiday on this particular day it was like describe one of your dreams Okay, a few important things for you to know to unpack this story for me. Number one, 
Little Maya had mad imagination, but she was typical Hermione Granger who thought you should not lie if it's schoolwork, okay? You should not use this imagination, you should always tell the truth. Eight-year Maya knew better, eight-year Maya was an honest soul, okay? Second point that you should know to unpack this story is that I had balls ever since I was of that age. As I told you, at that point I was writing rhymes for my fucking friend to recite to boys for some reason because that seemed to have worked for her. So of course, when the teacher asked who wants to read their thing, who wants to read their homework out loud, I was like, yes, of course, oh my god, can I do, can I go first? (laughs) Please, I'm a nerd, notice me, I've done my homework. So my little fat ass stands up to read this fucking essay. And I go on to describe this dream so, so vividly. TMI is an understatement. I forgot, there's a third point that you should know of. I very rarely remember my dreams. So like, this is the only dream that I could remember for like my whole fucking life. And um, you know, as like I previously said, you know, I can't lie for schoolwork or I didn't know that I can until a point nobody fucking told me why did my parents not tell me. Well, they have learned since. So to recap, we have a young Maya, eight years old, who is just standing up to read her very embarrassing essay. She doesn't know she can tell lies. She remembers only one dream in her life. And as we know from listening to this podcast she vividly describes the most disgusting things in life. So, I proceed to vividly describe in details this dream where I am dreaming of a waterfall but I'm feeling this waterfall very personally because I have just peed in my sleep in my bed. To disbelief of everybody listening, including my teacher, everybody's just like... (laughs) I'm just dead serious. I'm reading this like this is the masterpiece of my life. This should be published on the fucking boards in the school, okay? Do you understand? It's not the water didn't happen just in my sleep. <laughs> I have a deeper connection with my dreams, okay? Now to my complete disbelief, when I finish this story, my teacher like gave me the lowest fucking grade, told me I shouldn't have written it. Wait, she didn't tell me it was embarrassing. She was like, no, this is like you can't write stuff like this. I was like what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> so of course, confident as fuck, I went home. I was like, mom, listen, read this fucking masterpiece and tell me why did I just get the lowest grade? And then my mom was just like, what the fuck is this, Maya? <laughs> and then, yeah, my mom told me like, please lie in your further essays, but also, um, yeah, I'll speak with your teacher. Cause like, cause what was the point of this? Cause I don't understand why she gave it the lowest grade either. Like, this was beautiful. (laughs) So inspiring for the future generations. Yeah, it should definitely be on the school board. So my question to you all was, who was wrong here? (laughs) Who was in the wrong? Was it my parents for never telling me that I should lie? Was it me for having balls and just expressing that I pissed in my dream and that's the only dream I could remember? And telling the fucking truth to the people? Or was it my teacher for not standing up for me, for literally bullying me like while I actually did my homework? I actually did my fucking homework, I had the balls to read it out. At least give me some middle age grade if you don't fucking like the content of it. Freak. So yeah, thanks for listening to this deep and emotional story. <laughs> that I, for the reasons of having little sleep, had to share today on this particular day. And now let's go on to the story of the boogeyman of the week. As this is already one of the longest episodes, today I have one mini story for you. It's a story of Slenderman, so if you need that extra fix, after listening to it, you can head to Patreon, because of course, with Slenderman, with any boogeyman, there are... Well, not with any boogeyman, but with Slenderman, definitely there have been murders inspired by it. I fucking love this case. It's like two girls that thought that they need to kill for Slenderman, otherwise, like, 
<laughs> Slenderman is gonna like threaten and kill their family. Is it deeper than that? You gotta join Patreon and find the fuck out, cause uh, from what I'm telling you right now, it might as well sound <laughs> like the big bad wolf from Cinderella told you to fucking kill and you killed for it. So to all of you, the moral of this story, even before telling you the story, is please don't obsess with a fictional character and then kill me in the name of it. Please don't make that be my death. Please, at least make it something exceptional. Please make the trial be the bomb. So who is Die Slenderman? Well, he was born on June the 8th, 2009. Yes, even fucking Slenderman has date of birth because he's the product of the internet, okay people? He was born on a forum site. Oh my god, such a great location. I heard it's so sunny, so beautiful all the year round on the forum site. Mm, it's a wonderful place. Internet is great, especially today. <laughs> especially right now. The forum was called something awful and... Listen, who am I to judge the names of the blogs and the forums? Type into your search engines venomousmushroom.wordpress.com Yeah. I don't know how I got any fucking jobs because this, like, this blog is still on my fucking CV. It's the most depressing blog that has ever been written. And it was written during, like, the happiest time of my life. Well, by the happiest, I mean I drank a lot. So I was mostly out of it, so... I used to write this shit during uni, so the last posts will be 2016, maybe even earlier than that. Yeah, it's just like weird short stories. One is called Orgasm for Life. It's not about orgasms. <laughs> I don't know what I tried there. But yeah, um, there are worse names than something awful out there. That is my point. And the brand of Slenderman, if you want to call it that, belongs to a guy in Florida. Obviously, everything happens in Florida. Everything weird. Named Eric Knudsen. So he created it on this uh, forum and in this kind of like group that was called Create Paranormal Images. So when the first images emerged, Slenderman was this tall, out-of-focus figure next to like a tree, usually kind of in the forest environment. Again, nothing good happens in the forest, guys. Don't go into the freaking forest. And then as with everything, people started creating their own versions of the art. As they modify the versions, they modify the stories as well. So the version that is popular today is kind of this skeleton, like really tall and thin man with long arms and legs. Usually a faceless feature, which is kind of like the creepiest part of it all. And the story that is usually propagated is that this creature stalks humans and causes plenty of disappearances. And then obviously there are people that push this and say that, yeah, this originates, <laughs> this man is real. He originated from 16th century Germany. Or they even push it to like 5,000 years before Christ. And I don't know fucking why, but then again, like, I'm... <laughs> I don't know why I wrote the story Orgasm for Life, fuck knows. But when they created Slenderman, they created this character with like a suit and tie. She's just like the most professional boogeyman out there, man. Like King Majorona is like the creepiest woman in like the weirdest fucking shabby ass dress. Babaroga is literally like in rags. They were like, no, 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 this boogeyman has to be well dressed. The scary bit about it is just like that he is disproportionate and that, well, anybody can kind of interpret his face differently because there's no face. And of course, as there are different versions to the story, you know, Slendy can just let you pass in the forest, he can kidnap you, he can stalk your ass, or he can just teleport and disappear and you're like, have I actually seen him? Is he real? But if you're too close to him, you might get a slender sickness. That sounds cool. It sounds like you're getting slender by the day. I, I want that. <laughs> or you can get a rapid onset of paranoia. 
I already have that in the proximity of vans. The other day, oh my god. I already told you, like, I get, like, cold sweats when I'm, like, in the proximity of fucking vans. Because I'm like, someone's gonna kidnap my fucking fat ass. The other day, there was, like, an open vans. It's a classic no-no, like, somebody can just, like, push me inside. And then there was this guy who was just in front of his house and he kind of sort of, like, ushered me to pass in between him and this open van of his. I was like, mm, not today, Satan. This is the new between the rock and the hard place. Like, no. Both rock and the hard place are the hard now, okay? You don't have to choose between the two hard things. You can choose an easy way out and go on the street and get hit by a car. So the proximity to the Slenderman can cause slender sickness, a rapid onset of paranoia, or nightmares and delusions accompanied by nosebleeds. I wanna say I was encountered by a snowman. <laughs> snowman. <laughs> I wanna say I was encountered by a Slenderman, but then I don't have the Slender sickness, do I? I am getting slender by the day. That's totally my fucking interpretation of what Slender sickness is. It's these symptoms, but no. In my mind, Slender sickness just means I get slender by the day. Now, of course, there are people on this fucking forum that went so fucking deep. Like, you can just know that they smoked a couple of joints, drank a couple of things, and they were like... Listen, <laughs> let's just philosophize a bit on this shit. So there's this dude called Shira Chess, cool name bro, cool name, who said that because of the similarities between traditional folklore and the open source ethos of the internet, unlike, you know, other traditional monsters like vampires or werewolves, the fact that the Slenderman can be tracked and signposted offers a powerful insight into how myth and folklore form. So, according to this guy, what ties him to the folklore is collectivity. So, that's the meaning that it was created by a collective, you know, forum, everybody kind of chipped in. Variability. So, that's the meaning that the story changes depending on the teller. Again, everybody kind of like chips in and invents and gets really high and then just invents a story. And then his performance, which I was like, mm, this is getting sexual. No. <laughs> this part means that the storyteller narrative can change to reflect the responses from the audience. So, you know, the teleporting bit, all of these bits that can kind of change and vary depending on who tells it and depending on what face do they see. Honestly, one of the pretty cool boogeymen out there. Like, you know, not just that he's fashionable, but I love the fact that there are like plenty of different in interpretations as well. And as I mentioned already, you know, to spoil everything and fucking direct you to Patreon, Sunderman doesn't directly kill. He compels others to kill in his name and kind of threatens that then if they don't, they're gonna kill his family and shit. But like, as, as you know, Slenderman and, you know, just the presence on the internet in general is kind of a product of our imagination. Slenderman probably more so than others. And the Slenderman stabbing that I'm covering on Patreon actually inspired like a lot of debates and like Eric Knudsen apologized and a lot of people kind of went like publicly to say basically don't trust everything on the internet and like Slenderman is not responsible but hey I definitely find it even more fascinating than the others. I don't know if you guys are aware of the blue whale challenge I'm definitely gonna cover that one day that is the creepiest fucking thing it's the one where they have like different tasks but it all ends in like it all ends in suicide for the people participating in challenge people behind that were next level fucked up but what boogeyman do you prefer over others? And which one would you use to intimidate your kid? And if you would use Slendy, what version would you portray? Would he kidnap your children? Would he just like teleport? Does he have a face? What face do they see? Does he snatch your kids away? You can always check in with me on the socials and let me know what do you want me to cover? You know, what's the next boogeyman? 
because then I can break those fuckers for you. And don't go read my blog. <laughs> you shouldn't have time for that during your day. There are some okay things out there. I haven't read it in years, so I can't actually, I can't, like, I can't deal with my own cringe. I don't think you're ready for this landing. Ooh, that should be a tune. Hmm. Should be a tune and then Slenderman just pops into your screen and freaks the fuck out of your child and they never want to go back online to like search for boogeymen or just participate in these forums. <laughs> Can you tell I slept like five hours last night and I'm fucking delusional. Speaking of, look at you big man like going into your... <laughs> look at you homeboys and homegirls going into your next zoo meeting. How devastating. This week I really need you to be the person starting the uncomfortable conversations in this meeting. Because with everything that's going on right now, being in your comfort zone means you're just not doing enough. The least we can do to help out is just sign petitions at least, donate if you can, educate yourself as much as you can on any topics of Black Lives Matter, and get others to do that as well, because if we don't end up doing that, and if we don't end up questioning the climate today, questioning like different people's opinions, racist opinions out there, then we'll end up being people who donate money for Thomas Lane, one of the four police officers that killed George Floyd, to be released on bail, because that happened. I share some petitions and some sources in the description below, but this week I really need you to go into that Zoom meeting and be that person that's asking all the uncomfortable questions, get people into reading, get people into sharing material, like one of my companies provides a budget for people to buy books and then they like fill out what books they have bought in the sheet and the idea is to buy different books on racism, different books written by the black community and then do sort of like a book club or book swap events and this is the whitest company I have ever worked for. Like, they don't have a single black person working for them, okay? And they know better. So if the whitest company out there can do this, you can encourage your company to do something similar. And well, if they're out there accusing you that you are political and then suddenly hate you for that, saying that they're not racist but they're not anti-racist, there's, there's no in-between. Then I'd advise you not just to stay away from those fuckers, but to report those fuckers to HR. Because when people get angry about human rights issues, changes get made. So on that note, keep questioning the doings of your colleagues. Question your own knowledge on the topics, how you can do better yourself and what you can do to help. And by doing that, keep making the world a better place. One motive at a time. <laughs> Bye, fuckers.